Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. I literally landed in Chicago first with 300 copies of this book, The Struggle Israel, with a nuclear mushroom cloud on the front. Because you can see the you can see the roses slightly, but you can't see it, see it. And so the person in customs just looked at me and I was just like, at that moment, it was the first moment I realized, oh, this wasn't a good idea. You know what I mean? When they take you and they start going through them all and they're going through the bag, and I'm like, literally, there's just books in there. And then they see this and they literally went through all 300 copies of this book, just flicking through all of them. Because obviously you're coming into America and you've got a book called The Struggle is Real with a nuclear explosion on the front. Not great with customs. So that was really funny. Um, that's okay. And what was also funny was, um, as I was kind of going through another checkpoint, this one guy goes to me, um, what are you doing here? And I told him, oh, I've got my mate, runs this church, I run a church, we're gonna go hang out and then go to a conference together. And he was like, oh, okay, okay, so what are you doing here? How do you know each other? Oh, and then I start telling the backstory, how we got to know one another through the C3 Global Network. Um, some guys flew over to the UK, said they want a twin UK pastor, US pastors this whole 20 process, explained it in all in great detail and great length. And then he goes, so how do you know one another? And then I'm like trying to go in greater detail in the same scenario. And then one third time he goes, so how do you know each other? And then I go, you know, Fellowship Church, Pastor Ed Jung, oh, I know Ed, boom, stamps it. You go straight through, sir. Because wow. Ed is the only pastor on Netflix. So as soon as I said Ed Jung, this guy just stamps it and sent me through. I was like, man, from now on, I'm starting with Ed Jung for everything. Like, everything in America, someone pulls me over. Ed Jung, me and Ed Jung, me and Ed Jung today. So that was really, really funny. But yeah, we're going to be going through this. We're not so much going to be going through exactly the content. Some of the content we'll explore with and t- touch onto. But I want to look at some things over the next couple of weeks. So Mother's Day, we probably won't be looking at it, which is next Sunday. I just want to put out there, um, guys, grab, whoa. James is so on it, he brought his mum like a week early. That's how, this guy, this guy's killing it. Did you think it was a Sunday? Did you? No way. James, I was about to say, James is so on it and so in tune with God that he's just like, you know what? Man's bringing my mum every single Sunday to church. I'm getting my mum ready for Mother's Sunday. I'm bringing her a week early. It's going to be really, really good. So make sure you grab your mums. If you can't grab your mum, grab someone else's mum. You know what I mean? We'll settle. Whatever, we're not picky. Let's just go. Let's go all out on that invitation. Mum, you can't make it. Fine. Auntie Hyveson, can you be my mum for Sunday at Mother's Day? No one will know. Who will care? Let's do this. So today we're going to be looking at Jacob and his story and how it all starts and kicks off. So in Genesis chapter 25, verse 19, one thing I will say just before I dive straight into reading that, if you've got the City Hill app, you'll be reading from the same translation as me, the ESV version. So then just in case anyone's going to read from the Yoruba Bible or the Wakandan Bible, which I hear is out there nowadays. Um, I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. The Bible in Wakandan, it's going to be coming. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of... Beth- oh, I'm forget that. And that looks like Padawan. I have no idea what that is. The sister of um, uh, Laban to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived, and the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older 
shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red. His body was like a hairy cloak, so they called him Esau. Afterwards, his brother came out and his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was Jacob, meaning heel grabber. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter and a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, his hunt, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So there's this thing that happens in this story so early on. You've got this struggle to have children. You have this blessing that comes and you have these two children resting in the womb. But there's more than just that going on. There's two nations being born and the wrestling between them. And there's this word that the mum has of like the older will, will, will serve the younger. There's this struggle going on even before the children are born. And then there's the naming process. So you get Esau, hairy one, whatever, you know, man's got hair. And then you've got Jacob, whose name means heel grabber, because literally, when he was born, he was holding onto the heel. That's it. She's named her child, literally, over the fact he's just holding on to his brother's heel. Like, what's in a name? What's in a name? It's so amazing, actually. We label things. We give things names. We give people names. We give people reputations. Reputations that get stuck to people that they can sometimes spend their entire lives trying to shake off or trying to change. A few years ago, Jody and I had been watching like Made in Chelsea when it first came out, and we were like huge Made in Chelsea fans. We watched it all the time. We loved the show. And then there's this opportunity, for, a bit like Gogglebox, where they were going to show us one of the new episodes of the series that they weren't going to be seen anywhere else, and they were going to film our reactions. And so they came around to Jody's mum's house, and they were filming our reactions, and I was watching Spencer Matthews do what he does, which is be an absolute mindless moron that brutally destroys lives. And he was on there doing that, and I just let slip. I called him the Antichrist. And because the producers and that, they knew that I was a pastor. They thought this was awesome, and they loved it. And so they went away talking about this, and then all of a sudden, we, Jody starts getting emails going, oh, we want to speak to your husband. We would love for him to meet Spencer Matthews to do a sketch where he's trying to help him and rid him of his immoral ways and all this kind of stuff and help him turn a corner and change his life. And I was like, yeah, that's totally cool. I'm totally up for it. Obviously, they'd already prepped Spencer Matthews that I've called him the Antichrist. So meeting him for the first time was hashtag pretty darn well awkward. Um, but you guys know me. I just say things. I don't really mean that. It's, well, I kind of meant it. He was a bit of a douche. But, you know, it was just banter. It was a bit of fun, just being a bit heated and a bit excited. And so I'm there kind of filming this with him. And we're doing this sketch that they've written. And I just have to go along with it. It's scripted. In the end, they never used it, which was gutting. Um, but me and him started to get on quite well and having chats while they weren't filming and things like that. And a picture started to appear for me. I started to feel extremely sorry for Spencer Matthews because I started to realize that I don't think he is that person. I think he's someone very different. Don't get me wrong, I bet he does loads of stuff wrong in the real world, but this wasn't who he is. This wasn't the entirety of him. And I know that because another cast member, a guy called Andy, was with him and on screen sometimes you'd seen them have a little moments and stuff where they'd had friction and they were just chilling so cool together. It's like, man, I was watching you fight over this girl all the time for this series and you're just chilling out and you guys are cool and then the cameras go on and then Spence turns to me and goes, time to get into character again. And I'm like, oh, oh my word. And I started thinking to myself, why would you do this? But anyone who knows the reality TV game knows that if you're a heel, 
you can make a lot of money. If you're a heel, you can be really, really famous. You can get the attention, you can get all these opportunities. And Spencer Matthews had everything to want in life. He's a good looking guy, he's a bit short, but he's a good looking guy. Loads of money, loads and loads of money. Family, oh, so unbelievably connected. Well, now they're married into the, the with the Middletons. His, his brother's married to Pippa Middleton. So now they're connected to royalty as well. So like, this guy literally had absolutely everything. You think, why would you want to go on Made in Chelsea? Not just go on it, but actually be this type of person and intentionally choose to be this person. And I started to think about it and I thought, what was the only thing Spencer Matthews didn't have? The only thing he didn't have was fame. No one knew who he was. Like people in rich circles knew who he was, but the nation didn't know who he was. And he built this persona and this character for who he was. And it got me thinking, it got me thinking about Jacob as well. And Jacob's on a completely different spectrum, a different place, where all he's done is hold on to his brother's heel as he's coming out and he gets this label slapped on him. And you know what? It's the same with school. You start your school for the first time and you're that one kid who goes for the cookie jar when everyone's been told not to. Boom, there is a label on you. There's a label on you. There's that one thing that happens in the workplace and you get let go. And everywhere you go, that label just, just sticks to you and it's not easy to shake. There's that relationship you have that just falls apart and then people always remember you for that as the defining moment. And we look at Jacob and he's a heel grabber and he spends the vast majority of his life being a heel grabber. Asking, searching, wrestling, trying to connive his way, steal his way to being something more, to being something different. Because the very next thing we read about in this passage is about Esau selling his birthright to Jacob because Jacob sees he's hungry and just, he wants to capitalize on that moment. And it got me asking questions, not so much of just Spencer Matthews, not just of Jacob, but it got me asking questions of me. And I hope this morning you'll ask questions of yourself about the labels and the identity that you have. And can I be more than the restrictions that society, my family, my friends, my colleagues, my peers, other human beings around me have placed on me? Can I be more than the sum of my parts? Can I be more than what people know of me to be? Can I be reborn? I was working with kids kicked out of school and there was this um, pretty early on into the gig. I, didn't, I applied for a job and I applied for six jobs and I didn't pay attention to which one I was being interviewed for because they interviewed me for all six at one moment. So they were like, which one do you want? I was like, I don't know. I didn't even know what jobs I voted for, I just applied. And they were like, well, what do you fancy? <laughs> Explain the roles to me. So they started explaining roles. I went, I'll have that one. <laughs> Bad call, man. I, I picked the toughest one out of all of them because they were like, yeah, yeah, you'd be great for this. So my, my role was basically, you got kicked out of school, you went to our facility. When you got removed from our facility and weren't allowed on site or banned from the borough, that's when I went to work with you. So basically, when things popped off, I popped up. That was, my, that, was the, that was the JD. It's popped off, Andy, here we go, you go. So there was this girl and it was pretty early on, I had, hadn't been working that long, and I was told, you're gonna be off site with this girl at another location, no one else there, and you're gonna work with her for all her work. We're gonna send lunch to you so she can be fed and all that, and we can do all that. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm there with this girl, trying to teach her maths, and she's just doing what you're not allowed to do. Having her phone out, doing what she wants. You start Snapchatting, and she's tagging me in it, going, chilling with Jesus, because the long hair and the beard. And I'm like, oh man, I'm just getting mugged off. And I get to do a bit of maths work, and then it's lunchtime, I'm like, 
okay guys, when are you sending the food? They're like, oh, we totally forgot to send the food. I'm like, you're kidding me, like, we've got to feed her, we've got to, and they're like, yeah, we know. Uh, can you take her out to a cafe? At this point, I'm hearing in my head, because I'm like 30 something years old at the time, I'm 33, I know my age, I'm 33 now, I just can't remember what I was then. And she was like, I don't know, 14 or 15? I'm taking this 14, 15 year old girl to a cafe, like near Canary Wharf, kind of that kind of way. Man, I have people in the go like, wow, had her young. That's what I'm hoping for. But the rest of me looking like, hmm, pedo. Like, I'm waiting to get arrested. I'm waiting for my P45. So we're walking around the corner to go to this cafe for lunch. And so she thinks she's got banter and she just looks at me and she goes, Jesus, do you believe in God? And now that is a red flag to a bull. And when you're a pastor of a church, which I was doing in my spare time, that is like, game on. I cannot talk to young people about Jesus. You have opened the door, you have called me Jesus, and you've asked if I believe in God. This is, this is legit. So at this moment, I've just gone to her, well, yeah. And she goes, well, why? And I start talking about City Hill, start talking about this church, start talking about my life, some of the stuff. And then, as I'm talking about something, she just looks up and she goes, nah, I struggle with God. At this moment, this is like the second red flag to me. This is like, oh my gosh, like I can smell the blood. I'm like a shark in the ocean and there's blood everywhere. Like, I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. You've said, Jesus, do you believe in God? And now you're saying you struggle with God. This is just, this is like, man, I'm like Michael Jordan. The layup is coming. I am dunking all over this, man. And I remember in that moment when she said, I struggle with God, I gave this huge sigh of relief. I went, oh, me too. And then she kind of goes wide eyes and looks at me and goes, but if you run the church and you struggle with God, the rest of us are screwed. She didn't use screwed. She used a word that sounds similar to an animal that bobs up and down in a pond. Um, you know, love ducks, they're great. And um, yeah, she says that. And I'm like, she's like, how, like, what about, what? That's crazy, that doesn't make any sense. So I start talking to her about Jacob. I start talking to her about the life and the card that he has and the label that gets put on him. Spoiler alert, I tell her that there comes a moment later in Jacob's life where he starts to wrestle with God. Now Jacob's been trying to con his way, wheel or deal it to get change and nothing's ever happened. He's got wealthy, but he still can't change who he is until one day he wrestles with an angel. He wrestles with God and as he wrestles with God, He's losing, he's not even winning the fight. His hip gets dislocated, which in UFC is the end of the fight, man. That is it, you've lost. So the fight is over and he won't let go. The fight is ended and he won't let go. And the angel's like, let go. And he's like, I'm not letting go till you bless me. I'm not letting go till there's a change. I'm not letting go till something's different. And the angel blessed him and said, you'll no longer be called Jacob. He'll grab a one who wrestles with men. You have wrestled with man and with God and you've prevailed. And I'm like, prevailed, you didn't win that. The angel don't walk away with no hit popped out, the angel don't walk away with no pain. And he said, your name shall be Israel, one who struggles with God. And I started to think about that and I started to realize that actually the very thing that God calls his children to be is one who struggles with him. One who struggles with him. And all this time people are talking about I struggle with God like it's a, a bad thing. I think it's the only thing. I think it's the only thing. I think it's all there is. I don't think it matters whether you, you know him yet, whether you follow Jesus, whether you're blood washed, cleansed, this, that, and the other, incense, nonsense, and any other sense. I, I don't think it matters. No matter what stage you end up in, in in your faith, it's just another match of wrestling with God. It's just another time of clinging on until he blesses you. 
And I remember saying this to her because, man, this is a red flag. I'm smelling the blood, so I'm just going past her. I'm like, ugh, great white. And um, that's it. We go for lunch. We have our lunch. She goes back. She actually does her work. And I see her about the place, but I never have to work one-to-one with her ever again. Um, she changes significantly. And I remember one person in the office saying to me one day that another member of staff had heard her talking, and then she was talking to the member of staff saying that she had started praying. She'd started praying. She'd started to wrestle with God. She started to have a conversation where she would talk to God about what was going on in her life. And there was a huge, significant difference in this girl's life. So what are we talking about today? Well, we're talking about Spencer Matthews. We're talking about this girl. We're talking about Jacob. But we're also talking about me and you. But actually, I don't ever just talk about me and you because I don't believe it's healthy as a Christian to always be focused on you. I believe the healthiest thing you can do as a Christian is be looking outward to bless and serve others. And I believe as a Christian that you will experience more healing, offering healing to others than you ever will searching for it yourself. 100% fact, every single time. Um, We've got a friend who, they couldn't have a child, they came here, I was preaching on Jonah about putting others first and changing how you look at mission. And she heard the talk afterwards and she said, you know what, I've been called by God to reach out to women who can't have kids, but I can't have kids, so how can I do that? And I said, you just do it. And she stepped out and did it. I'm the godfather to her child. Because when you step out, not waiting for everything to be Christian in your life, but you love and you prioritize doing the mission of God above everything else, he starts to move and he starts to bring a change. It's wrestling with God. It's, it's not having it all laid out on a plate. It's stepping out in faith going, I'm going to do what you've called me to do, knowing that you are who you are. And you're going to reveal who you are to me by your actions in this situation. And so what we're talking about today is Jacob. We're talking about Spencer, the type of person who ends up in a place where, can I ever be anything different? Can I be anything more? Maybe you have those questions. I know I have those questions. And we live in a society that says you have to look a certain way and be a certain way and be a type of person. And we look at the media for our role models, whereas actually God wants us to wrestle with him so that we can be conformed into his image. The great thing about all of this stuff is that I believe this week God wants to invite you to wrestle with him, but I believe he wants you to invite others to wrestle with God. I've lived my life wanting people to come to faith in Jesus, wanting to have a relationship with him. And what I found is when I've gone to my friends with an absolute truth of the gospel, which is totally true and I believe it, and given them this absolute truth, they're not willing to accept something that holds all the cards and they reject it. What I found though, is you can have some really fun conversations. So when a friend is talking about the madness going on in their life, I start to talk to them about, about prayer and then talking to God about it. At that moment, normally, I get some very exclusive words I can't repeat. I get a lot of anger and they start saying all this angry stuff towards God, which I find hilarious. You have to resist the urge to go, that's a lot of anger towards someone who doesn't exist. I mean, you have to resist it because that's what you want to say. But all you're doing is poking the bear and you're poking them in the wrong direction. What I start to do now is I start to say, you know what? Just like that girl, man, totally struggle with God. And you know what I found? I found that I could talk to him through prayer. And you start to encourage people to have the conversation on their own. It's not about you leading them somewhere and then having some, it's about leading them to have the conversation with God, to encounter him for themselves. And you can say to them, you know what? The best thing about it is I can't afford a therapist. They're 40 pound an hour. I can't, my life's a mess, but I cannot afford 40 pound an hour. 
But when I talk to God, it's the only conversation I have that I don't have to put a filter on it. I don't have to twist it. If I could have time with Steve Jobs, it'd be great. I could tell him stuff, I could learn about my failures. But even if I spoke to Steve Jobs, I, would, I wouldn't want to look like the loser I am. I wouldn't want to tell him really how bad I am at business. I'd try and make it sound better than it is. With God, I don't do that. I can say it exactly as it is. No one else is going to find out about it. It's just me and it's him. I can just say it as it is. And you know what I find? I find that when I talk to him, it brings a release in my life. It just lightens the load. I want to encourage you to do that with your friends, to start at the bottom line. Everyone always starts at the top line. That if you come to God, your whole life's going to be better. Everything's going to be easy and everything's going to fall in place. You're going to feel really fuzzy, warm feelings. It's going to be amazing. And you're going to be flying at 40,000 feet. We always start with Christianity at 40,000 feet. Whereas actually in the Bible, a lot of times you've got people in a mess who just start a conversation and just start talking to him. I want to encourage you guys to get your friends to start talking to them. I want you to start talking to them. Start talking about God. It doesn't matter what you say too much because they'll jump on it. And then you can just do that and you can leave it open. And then two weeks later, you can follow up. How's the wrestling going? Or how's the conversation going? What happened? Oh, nothing happened. You're feeling better about it. Yeah, okay, well, you know, keep going. Encourage people in that way. So I'm going to pray for us today. That's literally all I wanted to share. Father, I thank you that in this story, someone starts with one label, but we know the spoiler that in the end, they get given a completely different label. And it was a label you chose for them not because someone observed something, but one you spoke over them and that you want your people to be people who struggle with God because you called your people the children of Israel, his children, his offspring, the nation of Israel, ones who struggle with God. May we be people who struggle with God, but may we be people who lead others to struggle with God, knowing that the conversations they start, the struggling process they will go on will lead them to a place of healing and restoration in you. We totally trust you, Lord, that you are capable, that we can bring people to you. Father, I thank you for your grace towards us. I pray for those of us, Lord, who are in the midst of our own struggle, because everyone has the struggle in common. It's just different struggles. No one on this earth has it cushy. Even those who we believe do, don't. May they find comfort in you. May we find comfort in you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So the comfort you're going to find this week is in the wrestling match. The comfort doesn't exist anywhere else. Just wrestle with God. Whatever you're going through, whatever's going on in your life, just wrestle with Him. And just don't let go until He blesses you. He will bless you. And often it's not the environment He wants to change. It's you and I He wants to change. He wants to be able to call us something different. He wants to bring what we've always been out of us. That whenever things get bad, we turn to the same behavioral habits and the same actions. He wants to pull it out of us. And that only happens when you wrestle with Him. If you tap out too early, you never experience the blessing. If you tap out early and let go of God before the full process is done, you'll never get called a different name. You'll be stuck in the same cycle. Just keep wrestling, God. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go of you till you bless me. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.